ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between. Welcome to another episode of the Jake Botel Sports Experience. The first of our NFL Division Previews episodes. And I'm privileged to be joined, as I will be for all NFL coverage this season, by the one and only Minnesota Jack. How are you, Jack? I'm good. I'm very excited to, you know, start this this journey with you on the with all this NFL NFL coverage. It's very exciting. You know, we did a little bit with our spicy, spicier, spiciest takes episode, which is lots of fun. Um, now we get into the the nitty gritty. You know, the 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 real meat of the NFL. So yeah, very very excited. Absolutely, likewise. So we're going to be de- previewing every division in the NFL. We start today with the AFC North. Now, how this is going to work, we're each going to go back and forth. We've each done team profiles on these teams. So we'll take it in terms to sort of profile a team each. Then we'll get into a bit of coverage, uh, you know, about how we think the things might fold out in the division and finish with our final prediction for standings. Um, So AFC North, Jacko, you're away first with the Baltimore Ravens. Mm. And if we start with how they did last season, the Ravens were looking to have another dominant season by the halfway mark when they had an eight and three record, but a combination of some close losses and a league high amount of players on injured reserve, that record quickly fell apart with a six game losing streak to end with an eight and nine record. Lamar Jackson missed the last four games with an ankle injury, but still had an underwhelming season by his own standards and the Ravens' defense couldn't get any stops to help out that struggling offense. And so coming into this season, you know, you, you look at last season, very underwhelming, started strong, but ended quite weak. It's interesting to see what they have done in the offseason to try and fix that. And the Ravens have quickly identified the defense as their main focus for 2022. They've added defensive tackle Michael, Michael Pierce, safety Marcus Williams, and cornerback Kyle Fuller in free agency, as well as safety Kyle Hamilton, with pick 14 overall in the draft. But their already weak wide receiver room has been decimated, with Sammy Watkins going to Green Bay and Marquise Brown going to the Cardinals. And running backs J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are both still on injured reserves and racing against the clock to get back on the field for week one. I think with my research, it looks more likely that Dobbins might. Edwards is still a little bit away, but both are still question marks going into week one. And they're your number one, number two running backs. Um, and we know how important that run game is to to Baltimore. Yeah. So the big question is, is there too much pressure on Lamar Jackson to lift this offense out of mediocrity? Lamar's talent is undeniable and is a far more talented thrower than Twitter would have you think. But he's had a lack of weapons his whole career. And this might be his least impressive offensive roster yet, especially without a reliable running game to lean on. The Ravens are going to do any damage in this division. They're going to have to perform above expectations on the upgraded defense and create some more of that Lamar magic to get them over the line. Yeah, lots of questions there. Um, lots of questions. That, like you say, the, the the wide receiver room looking a bit thin. That's a great point. Um, I'll follow us up here with the Cincinnati Bengals for people. Um, so... The Bengals. Last season, the Joe Burrow-led Bengals claimed their first double-digit win season since 2016 and went much further than that. The team won their first playoff game since 1990 
and embarked on a run to the Super Bowl that ended with a heartbreaking 20-23 loss to the LA Rams at SoFi Stadium. Looking at what they've done in the offseason to try and, you know, get back to that big stage. So the, the Bengals bolstered the defensive side of the ball. Now, they were one of the cheapest teams on defense last year. I'm pretty sure the Bengals spent less money than pretty much any other team on defense. Um, but they spent the first, they spent four of their six picks in the 2022 draft on defense, including Michigan defensive back Daxton Hill, Nebraska cornerback Cam Taylor Britt, Florida defensive end Zachary Carter in the first, second, and third rounds, respectively. The Bengals countered the departure of star tight end CJ Uzama with the addition of former Ravens tight end Hayden Hurst, while also adding Cowboys right tackle Lyle Collins to try and strengthen that offensive line. A key part of this offseason has been Cincinnati's ability to retain talent and bolster areas of weakness. I feel like they've done a really, really good job of keeping that roster together and stacking some talent in other areas. Big question for me uh, with this team, they are absolutely loaded at a diverse array of positions entering 2022. But can this offensive line better protect Joe Burrow? He was the most sacked player in 2021. He got brought down 51 times in the regular season and a whopping 19 times in the playoffs, including seven in the Super Bowl. Burrow is tough, but he's not unbreakable. Because of how well he performed in 2021, it's almost gone unnoticed, like how poorly he was protected. The Bengals have shown that they can win in the short term without extensive protection around their main man. That is not going to continue in the long term as the career of quarterbacks like Andrew Luck have demonstrated. You can't keep playing um, offensive line roulette. Eventually you pay the price and he paid it already once in his rookie season. So it's all in place for Cincinnati if they can protect their passer. It will all crumble if they can't. And I'll handball to you for the Cleveland Browns. Mm. So last season with the Browns, they had an inconsistent, if not entirely disappointing 2021 season. After finishing 11-5 and and winning a playoff game the year before, young coach Stefanski was poised to bring that again. But the team was let down by a passing offense that couldn't keep up with their admittedly dangerous rushing offense. Their defense was as good as expected, but that can only get you so far when your quarterback couldn't be relied on to make plays. So an 8-9 record seems kind of fair. Now with their team in ins and outs, the Browns have gone all in on the offense by trading for wide receiver Amari Cooper and quarterback Deshaun Watson, which will be a dynamic duo if Deshaun ever sees the field. <laughs> Prepare to see more of QB... Uh, Jacoby Brissett as the starting QB if you're a betting man. Losing wide receiver Jarvis Landry and tight end Austin Hooper will mean that that offense will have a different look regardless. Now, to me, the big question with the Browns, it's the biggest question in the NFL. (laughs) When, if at all, this season, will Deshaun Watson play? And by extension of that, how will he perform? As of today, his suspension stands at six weeks, but the NFL is appealing that ruling and looking for a minimum of one season. If that appeal fails, and he does indeed start in week seven, to me, his performance will still be in question after missing nearly two seasons of football. If it's possible to ignore his disgusting and predatory behavior, let me know. But also, if that is possible, seeing if he can continue to dominate at the QB position 
after all of this will be an interesting watch to me. You know, people really just assume he's going to, you know, pick up where he left off. And he might. He is a really talented quarterback. But to me, that is the question is beyond when will he play? How will he play? Will he just, he's in a different team as well. Like, will he fit into that system? If it's halfway through the season, how is he going to adjust to a team that's already got a set record? Like, I don't mm. think it's a given how he's going to perform. So that that's my big question for the Browns. Yeah, no, it's a fair question. And, you know, if you look back at, you know, the last time Deshaun Watson started a game was um, January of 2021. So, you know, it, it's, it's, yeah. it's been a while um, for Deshaun Watson and yeah, the, the NFL obviously in the process of appealing this decision. Um, it's no guarantee. Like we're really in the woods on this issue at the moment. We're really in the thick of it as to, you know, how is, how does this all shake out and, and does he see the field in 2022? Um, I'll move us on with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So last season, the Steelers eked their way to a 9-7-1 record on the back of a ravenous pass rush that refused to bow to defeat, despite their offense chalking up 20-plus points in just eight of 17 games. Uh, the offense was a, a hard watch um, for the Steelers in 2021. The Ben Roethlisberger era came to a crushing halt with a 21-point thumping in Arrowhead against the Kansas City Chief in the first round of playoffs. Now, the Steelers have wasted no time this offseason attempting to fill the Big Ben-shaped hole left at QB. They've added former Bears and Bills QB Mitch Trubisky, as well as drafting Pitt Panther Kenny Pickett, he of the small hands. Um, the departure of Juju Smith-Schuster to the Chiefs was remedied with the pickup of talented Georgia Bulldogs receiver George Pickens. Now, George Pickens um, has absolutely lit up uh, the training camp so far, uh, far and away the most impressive player on offense for the Steelers. So, so that's been a big pickup. They also got defensive line talent with Texas A&M's uh, defensive tackle, DeMarvin Leal. Offensive line went unattended in the draft, but Mason Cole and James Daniels were added in free agency. Perhaps the biggest acquisition, though, this offseason was Jaguars linebacker Miles Jack who could help solidify a linebacking group that has struggled to find a leader since the tragically premature end to Ryan Shazier's career. Now, the big question for me with the Steelers is, can they get back to running the football and becoming at least a league average offense? This team gratuitously struggled to move the ball in the final year and somewhat years of Ben Roethlisberger's career. The offensive line failed to create push and lanes for the run game or time for the passing game to be a credible vertical threat. So while the addition of Mason Cole and James Daniels, who have a combined 87 starts between them the last four seasons, is a step in the right direction, young players on this Steelers line need to make steps forward in 2022 to get this offense going back in the right direction. I mean, the direction of Steelers football to beat you up at the line of scrimmage this defense has been Super Bowl ready for several years, and it is past time that the offense finally catches up. Um, so I'm going to throw to you here, Jack, to start us off with just your general thoughts. How do you see this AFC North sort of playing out? What, what, what are your sort of feelings having previewed these teams? 
to me, it's become clear that it's really just a fight between the Steelers and the Bengals. Um, I don't know. I think the Browns are going to be pretty poor without Deshaun Watson. So if he doesn't even play, then that's a given that they're going to be really poor. But like I've laid out, even if he does play, it's still a question to me how many wins they get. And it might just be too far gone. They could win every single game, but they might not win a game until he gets in. So I really don't know what to think of the Browns. The Ravens, yeah, I just don't... To me, they I could see the Ravens becoming a worse version of the Steelers last year where they've got a really good defense and they actually make some stops. I think the upgrades they've made on defense are good, but they just won't be able to move the ball. I think Lamar Jackson, I think he can only do too much. You can only do so much. Sorry. You only do that. You can only do a certain amount, right? As a quarterback, no matter how good you are, you're still one guy. And I think that if you don't have options to throw to, and if you don't have guys, you can run the ball. I don't know how many, I don't know how many wins you can get from that. I'm sure you can put together some entertaining highlight reels and some good plays, but in terms of wins in that division and in the AFC, which I think is the stronger conference, I don't know how many wins they're going to get. So to me, it's clearly between the Steelers and the Bengals. Can the Bengals back up, you know, getting into the Super Bowl? That that performance, can they back that up again? And we know historically, not that stats mean everything and, you know, the Bengals might be the team that proves everyone wrong, but historically teams do not do well after losing a Super Bowl. They really don't like, it's almost a rule. If you go back in time and look at the losing teams in the Super Bowl, they don't tend to perform well. I think like you pointed out, they're a bit different in that a lot of teams that get to the Super Bowl, either they win and they continue success. Right. And if, but if they lose, often those teams have like gone all in, like this is the year. And so when they come back next year, it's not just the mental aspects, but also, you know, roster changes. There are team players who leave and coaching changes as well. Like you get a coach, uh, you know, an assistant coach who has been, you know, picked up by some other team because you got to the Super Bowl and now you don't have the guy that got you there. So for a bunch of reasons, teams don't tend to do it. As you've laid out, I think the Bengals have a good chance to buck that trend. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't know with any certainty who's going to win the division. I've got my predictions, but I don't, I couldn't pick with any kind of certainty who it is, but to me, it's definitely between the Steelers and the Bengals who just quickly on the Steelers, they're such a proud organization. You would have to imagine that they are thinking exactly what you're thinking. They're like, if we we're the Steelers, we've got to be a tough team on both sides of the ball. We've got to, we've got to run the ball much better. And so if they don't, you kind of go, what was the point of last season? Like the whole season, that was the that was the the, the narrative. The storyline was they can't move the ball. They can't run the ball. If they come back again this season and it's the same issues, you have to wonder, not, not coaching stuff, but like you just have to wonder like what the future's like if they can't back that up, just knowing how proud Pittsburgh is. Mm. Yeah, and it, and it, there is a sense of identity crisis. I think, you know, like not identity crisis, but I feel like they've failed to live up to the identity um, that they've sort of touted as their own. That hard nose, you know, you can't run the football on us, and we'll run the football on you. Like that has not been the case. You know, almost the best part of the last five years. You know, the 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 the, the frequency with which Pittsburgh was throwing the ball at times during the the end of the Big Ben era was almost grotesque to me as a Pittsburgh fan. It's like, we come on, we have to be able to run the football. 
Um, but I, for me, I look at this division and, you know, I think you've outlined some really great reasons why um, you're probably lower on the, the Ravens than I am. And, and you've sort of convinced me over to that way of thinking, you know, the, the cupboard is pretty bare. They, they are really backing on wide receivers like Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay, um, Tylan Wallace, you know, who are, you know, all first and second year rookies to step up like their wide receiver room. Here's the experience for you. Rookie, rookie, first year, second year, rookie, second year, rookie, rookie, first year, rookie. That's the, that's the level of experience in the Baltimore Ravens wide receiver room. And as you said, Lamar Jackson can't do it all on his own. Now, I think like the Steelers, they're a well-run organization, but you know, certain things like that, you know, the, the ability to run the football and play, you know, aggressive defense, it will only get you so far. For me, I've got to look at the teams that have the fewest question marks. And to me, that is clearly the Bengals. Like I would go in as a Bengals fan, um, you know, feeling like this is our division to win. That first place spot, that division title is ours to win because we have the fewest question marks. The one question mark they do have is a big one, but they have tried, you know, to remedy it. Um, if they can protect Joe Burrow, to me, there's no reason that they don't walk away with this division because they have just loaded, like the, the wide receiver room, the running back game, they've got a loaded defense and they've got the franchise QB. Um, we don't know if the Browns will have a franchise QB. We don't know if Lamar has help. The Steelers... I'm pretty high on the talent they have on offense and I'm pretty high on the talent they have on defense, but we've got to work out what's at quarterback. So yeah, I, I'm sort of, I think we're parking our cars in similar garages here. Um, so we'll move into our division predictions then. Um, I'm going to go Bengals one, Steelers two, Ravens three, and Browns four. To me, you could you could flip flop the Ravens and Browns depending on what happens with Deshaun Watson. Um, I'm making my prediction based on him not playing, and then you're stuck with Jacoby Brissett. And think about the defenses Jacoby Brissett is going to have to go up against in this division. Um, so that's my prediction there. What about you? I'm very much the same in that my my prediction is actually quite different than yours, but I'm the same in that one and two can flip-flop and three and four can flip-flop. So I've I've gone Steelers one, yep. Bengals two, Browns three, Ravens four. Um, I don't imagine there being a big gap between the Steelers and the Bengals. I think they'll be really close. Um, I just, yeah, just looking into how many teams lose the Super Bowl and don't perform, it's it's not, I'm not saying they're going to be bad. I think, like I said, they, they could just as well win the division, but there's just a part of me that goes... Yeah, it's just a big question if they can protect Joe Burrow and you just have to wonder. And this is another reason why teams don't do well after losing the Super Bowl is you've got a whole year of film to watch of them and go, ah, oh, that's what they did really well. And a whole off-season and preseason to prepare for them. And with, you know, the Steelers' defense is still, I think, really, really talented. And I reckon they've just... They've they would already circle those games, but I think this year in particular they're like, we've got a real opportunity here, and it's almost the opposite when it comes to the Bengals looking at the Steelers, and that your big question mark about the Steelers and the quarterback is true. If they can get it right, the question mark might actually work in favor of the Steelers 
in that the Bengals' defense won't really know what to look for on offense. And so if the Steelers can bank some early wins, that might be just what they need to to get the number one spot. So And then, yeah, Browns and Ravens, I don't imagine them getting too many wins could flip-flop. I just, yeah, like, like I said, the Ravens' offense seems to me like it's going to be – it's going to really struggle to stay on the field. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree there. I think we're, as I said, we're, we're pretty similar there um, in our results. Bengals played so many close games last year and going through, you know, it was actually kind of a 50-50 split. They lost some, you know, three-point games. They won a bunch of three-point games. So, you know, I had in my mind, oh, they won a lot of close games last year. You know, if, if you know, a few bounces go the other way this year, maybe they don't. But really, it, it did even itself out, you know, three-point losses to Green Bay, three-point losses to the Chicago Bears three-point loss to the New York Jets, uh, three-point loss to the 49ers in overtime. It did cut both ways as much as they did win some close games. So I don't think that's as much of a factor. All right, that is the AFC North previewed. Your next episode you'll hear from us in terms of previews will be the AFC East. You'll hear that one on Friday. Thanks so much, Jack, for coming on. Appreciate it. No worries. All right, guys, until next time, you've been great. We've been reasonable. It's the JBSE. Thanks so much for listening.